Hi, everyone. Just give me one second here. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Sorry, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm in a uh, new setup today. My parents' house. Um, so thank you for your patience, and we will jump right in here. Um, I don't have my big monitor, so I'm a little bit uh let's see actually you know what i'm not going to pull up the questions i'm just going to read them because it'll be easier here so um question one if consuming non-organic foods such as berries blueberries and raspberries is there a good cleaning process that reduces the pesticide level so um, this will probably depend on the pesticide. So it um, seems to be much more difficult to remove some than others. For example, pyrethroids seem to be relatively easy to remove um, while the uh, chloroplasts are among the most difficult. Um, and the best method may also depend on the fruit or vegetable of interest. And some of the more harsh practices like chlorine and bleach may actually or also significantly change the flavor of the produce. So that's something else to keep in mind. Um, and if we're talking about pure water, if that's all you have, then washing the, the berries or the produce in flowing water is going to be better than still water. Uh, but for other potential washing solutions, um, there are a couple that have been looked at in the literature. So one is sodium bicarbonate or baking soda. So creating a solution of like a tablespoon or a, sorry, a teaspoon or two of bicarbonate to two cups of water um, would be a, kind of a good dilution. You could use diluted vinegar, um, a solution of one part vinegar to four parts water or um, a salt water solution of 10% of solution there. Um, and then there are some other options like ozone, but, um, you know, most people are going to have more, um, you know, access to things like sodium bicarbonate, um, vinegar, just like a, a white vinegar or, um, you know, salt water versus something like ozone, but ozone has been shown in the literature to be helpful. And then um, question two is how long after taking products such as GI, GI detox, would you wait before consuming a meal to avoid nutrient losses? Um, 
conservatively, I would probably say like 90 minutes, uh, maybe up to two hours. It's probably going to be a little bit person dependent, depending on, you know, how quickly things move for your system. Um, and also maybe the composition of, of the, the meal that you would be consuming. But um, 90 minutes to two hours is, is pretty safe. And um, those are the two questions that, that we have for today. So if anybody else has, um, you know, related questions or, or other questions, please feel free. Good morning, guys. Hi. Thanks for the antibiotic questions last week. I missed work was about 46 hours last week. So a little crazy for me, at least that's a, that's a lot. That is a lot. Did you have any follow-up questions on that? Um, no, no, that's that's what I could find pretty much when I was looking things up. Um, okay. I just didn't know if you had any other sources or any other input on it, but that makes sense. Okay. What about thoughts on uh, hormone use in animals? Um, I would have to do some some digging. I don't know enough about it to comment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if anybody else here has thoughts, um, yeah, yeah. If you could submit it or if you don't, I'll make a note here, um, to, to note, uh, or to look into that. Um, I missed the brief conversation of sacred cow last week. I really liked that book. And you're right, Stuart, you probably don't need to read it. It's stuff we've heard from lots of sources, but I think it is well laid out. It would be a good read for somebody just kind of learning this stuff. Yeah, I kind of feel like I should read it so I'm better armed when I'm talking to somebody who doesn't, yeah, doesn't that's fair. think it's and a it's good idea. And it's an easy read. Yeah, it's just hasn't made it to the top of my list of things to do. <laughs> And Megan, do you think peanut oils and sesame oils are as bad as a vegetable oil, canola oil type of? Probably not. Um, you know, there's, if you actually look at the evidence for vegetable oils like canola, corn, safflower, sunflower being bad, there's not a lot there in the human literature, at least. But if we're looking at the fatty acid composition of, you know, a sesame oil or a peanut oil, um, I, I am far less potentially concerned about those. Um, I don't know about the, um, I can actually maybe do a quick search because I'm not sure about the amount of like PUFAs versus MUFAs versus, they're, they're both going to be higher in PUFAs and MUFAs than saturated. Um, so let's take, um, let's see. So... Sesame oil is approximately equal in monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. Um, and then the other was peanut oil because it might also change. Um, okay, peanut oil seems to be maybe a little bit 
little bit more mono, um, which might make it better for, for higher heat cooking. Um, but I would be concerned about eating or um, for any kind of nut or seed oil cooking too high with it to a uh, uh, too high temperature. Um, but both of those have enough mono and saturated fatty acids that I, I think they would probably be fine. Better than vegetable or canola. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. But again, there's, there's no literature to support that, but based off of the fact that, um, you know, they're far less processed and, um, you know, they're, they're coming from, you know, a, a legume in the court in the, um, case of the peanut or the, the seed in the, the case of the sesame seed versus, um, you know, something that, that isn't necessarily super fatty in the first place, like corn, for example, and it has to go through a chemical extraction, extraction process and all of that. Um, the, the closer to nature that you can get basically, um, even when it comes to something like oils, the better. I read it first. It's you said, so even with the vegetable and canola and corn and sunflower, with those, there's not a lot of literature on for human health, no. Or on, yeah, no, on human health. There's okay. not. In theory, you know, if you look at the biochemistry, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, there's there's not a lot of, of human literature looking at, like, if you substitute out, um, you know, olive oil for canola oil, what are the, the harmful effects of that? Or butter for, you know, um, you know vegetable oil or something like that. Um, but I think generally speaking, you know, going more toward the oils that are closer to nature makes sense. Yeah, that, that's one of those things where there, there's a lot of talk and, and hype around, oh, the, the you know, um, negative effects of, of vegetable oils. And there's just not a lot of evidence. Yeah, maybe, you know, you can, you're, you, you want to play it safe. But um, yeah, there's, there's just not a lot out there yet at least yeah i mean olive oil is my go-to for for 90 percent of things easily mm -hmm. it's just that high heat cooking and most things that i can adapt most cooking methods like i'll just lower the heat and continue using the olive oil but when something does need high heat that's where i'm like well you know it's vegetable vegetable oil is better than smoking your olive oil i assume um yeah probably i would probably go more toward like a like a refined um avocado oil in that case yeah yeah do do go for that sometimes that's just yeah, yeah. Uh, for a second I had coconut in my mind and so that's just not the flavor I want on a lot of things <laughs> but avocado oil that's a good one you do have that mm -hmm. in there. yeah it's it's neutral and has definitely a higher smoke point um although as we talked about before a smoke point is the only thing um you know, to, to look at when it comes to the stability of oils, but avocado is going to be higher in monounsaturated, um, which is going to be more stable than the, the PUFAs. And then, um, you know, tends to have a higher smoke point as well. Also refined coconut oil doesn't really add the coconut flavor to things the same way the unrefined okay. does. That's a good point. I have a question. Sure. Have you looked into any of the new um, continuous glucose monitoring, like com commercial, for lack of a better word, programs? Like, so they're like subscription services that are like kind of available levels to or everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Have you looked into any of those? Yeah. And do you have a 
recommendation for which one you think is the best? So Levels has started to use the Dexcom 6 versus the Freestyle Libre. And the Dexcom 6 seems to be the more accurate of the two. Um, okay. Not a ton of literature on that, but that's where I would, or where I have been pointing people recently is, is Levels just because okay. of the um, the Dexcom 6 that they use. Or they have the option of both of them. Um, so you would have to make sure that you choose the Dexcom 6. Okay. Um, and NDT doesn't have any like, uh what's the word liaisons or uh like before i go subscribe with them i just wanted to make sure it wasn't something i could get through you guys no we um okay. we had the folks from nutrisense on a while back and i think they gave us some kind of discount code for one of their oh, subscriptions but um right. i don't believe it's active anymore and okay you know i think that that the um that levels is, is just the, the better one yeah. because of the Dexcom six yeah. for accuracy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going all in on biohacking next year. All right. <laughs> well, the, the glucose monitors, you know, they're, they have their pros and cons, but I think that they can give yeah. you a lot of, of that good actionable insight In as long as you don't information. get super hyper-focused on the numbers and, you know, you're looking no. at trends and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So I just, I, I'm trying to figure out what really is causing spikes and I don't have the time or mental fortitude to go prick my finger every time, exactly an hour after I eat. Like it's just. Well, and even then, you know, not everyone spikes, not with every, with every right. meal, it's spike not, at the same time. So yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not even close to enough accurate information. And then I want to see how, what is, what, I'm, what it happened, what's happening while I'm sleeping. Cause I do notice a huge variation in my fasting glucose when I wake up, um, whether I've had a good night's sleep or not. Huge, huge variation. Like I could eat, if I ate, you know, a bunch of sugar, like a sugary dessert the night before, but slept great, it'll still be low in the morning. But then, you know, I could have absolutely not an ounce of sugar the day before and sleep like crap and it's terrible. So it's like... <laughs> Some other yeah. factors going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to just, I want to hone in on that a little more. And I'm reading Josh's books because my migraines have been out of hand. I even got Botox uh, oh, wow. recently. Um, it's only been like a couple weeks. So I don't, I don't know. I'm interested. I was really surprised to find out that of all the, medicinal options out there josh actually doesn't hate botox <laughs> the, the botox oh. option um <laughs> yeah he was um i mean i don't know if I, you know it's not it's certainly not his number one choice but he was uh he did not have nearly as many negative things to say about it as all the medications the, uh -huh. the oral medications and even some of the injection the other injectables so yeah did yeah, we talk we'll about see. did we have we talked about pignogenol before Mm -mm. No, so that's a, mm -hmm. it's a, um, what is it, like an extract from a, a, it's a pine bark extract, and it's been shown at least in one study um, to help with migraines when taken prophylactically, probably because it reduces mm -hmm. oxidative stress. Um, ah. So it could be something to, to try, if, you know, if you're really struggling. Okay. I've had a couple people report yeah. back um, good things from it. 
Okay. Yeah. Check on that. Yeah. Crap. Josh's stuff is great. I'm I'm glad you're you're consuming it. Yeah, I know. I'm actually I'm like dual tapping. I'm listening to one on audio and I'm reading one on <laughs> so you know, I'm just I'm all in. That's great. Okay. All right. So you're saying NutriSense uses the, the monitor you don't think it's as accurate? Correct. Monitor? Yeah. Okay. Levels uses both, but they have the option of, of the Dexcom 6. And it's less accurate in the sense of the numbers or less accurate in like just to general trends or? Uh, just... Both. So accuracy and oh. precision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And again, you know. If if you're you're looking for trends, NutriSense is, is certainly going to be good enough, right? The the Freestyle Libre, which is what most of the those companies, um, you know, there's other companies. January is one. Um, there's another one. What's it called? Um, it starts with an S. Uh, well, they're they're super like sapiens. Um, there's one with like a waiting list. Uh, oh, interesting! What it's called. Yeah, there's a there's a handful of them popping up, but yeah, um, I would be looking for one that has the Dexcom six if you want the okay. the best data. Um, yeah, that's, that's the most accurate, and it doesn't mean uh, like I before levels, um, you know, was offering their their products. I used NutriSense, and it was fine, you know. Um, but okay. there was definitely some like discrepancies uh, and that's been shown in the literature as well okay well thanks yeah um the bottle of l-glutamine says to take on an empty stomach do you uh, think that's important no okay yeah, I definitely um, don't think about that with the tea mix. If I'm just taking the L-glutamine to mix into my water, I've been trying to be mindful of empty stomach. But what? Why yeah. does it? Do you think? Um, <clears throat> it's possible. Well, I mean, food's going to slow down the digestion and absorption of it. Um, I don't know if there's any. Let me see here if I can find. Um. See if there's any. Um, I guess be in theory because of what it's doing. Um, to, you know, feed feed the the cells of the intestine. It's possible that it maybe does that better on an empty stomach. Um, but I don't I don't know if I, I doubt there's any. Um, you know literature supporting that um i'm just seeing if there's anything that would suggest here on pubmed um i wonder if let's see so glutamine tends to slow gastric emptying but that's not really 
it, it for the purposes of using it for gut healing i don't think that's going to be you know related to that um so i i can't from pubmed or from you know just critical thinking here i, I can't really think of a good yeah. reason um mm -hmm. why you would need to yeah people are saying preferably on an empty stomach but they're not um they're not actually slow why. gastric emptying though that's mm -hmm. definitely not what i want yeah i mean if if you're talking about slow motility it's hard to know where exactly that's occurring right if it is in the stomach um or if it's in more of the the smaller large intestine um so it's hard to say you know if if that would be problematic for you or not um but it is something to consider okay yeah let's see um let me just see if they had a dose and is that um, like the, go ahead colonic cells i think that were prebiotics sorry you you broke up there for a second help with um i think my my internet is is a little is that considered a, a prebiotic albumin uh, feeding the colonic mm, cells I don't think it would be considered a prebiotic. I, I don't think it, it is. Okay. Um, prebiotics are going to be more food for the beneficial bacteria versus food for the colonic cells. Yeah. Um, and Tracy, this study that looked at um, glutamine on gastric emptying in healthy individuals used 30 grams at a time. So that's a pretty hefty dose at once. Yeah. Um, you're probably, you're, you you may not be getting that much of an effect if you're having, you know, five, even up to 10 grams with a meal. Okay, thank you. Yeah. What test is used for H. pylori? I forget. Um, there's a handful of different tests, but usually you would be using like a DNA PCR test, um, on a stool test, but okay. there are blood tests you can use. Um, I would probably go more for the stool test. And then there are some, um, well, I think it's only the GI map test that, that looks at the actual, um, virulence factors for H. pylori. So there's certain mm -hmm. virulence factors that may or may not be more like problematic or pathogenic. Um, so if you, if you're really concerned about like H. pylori in particular, you might consider running the GI map. Um, but most stool tests will do like a DNA antigen for H. pylori. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think there I actually email? might be a breath test for H. pylori too, but oh, wow. that wouldn't be, let me see. Prenizer. Well, I guess my biggest question is what can I get in Hawaii? <laughs> um, through yeah. us. Well, ideally. And then if not, I guess, yeah, I'd look at other options, but yeah, that'd yeah. be my first try. Um, let me talk to Margaret and Orlane. Okay. Yeah. Let me write that down. Um, I'm I'm almost positive we'd be able to, you know, get a stool test you, over to you. Because you can do, like, you can do two-day shipping from here for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems 
a lot more plausible than some of the other places I've been. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, yeah, uh, I have a we'll I have a strong here. suspicion, so I think I think that's another thing I need to run. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where um, you know, if if you have the strong suspicion and for some reason we can't test like the empirical protocol Just, for H. pylori is right. fine. There's no problem, you know, taking, yeah, taking I, those I, things, but it might be good to, exactly. to actually know. And I know you like, you like the data. Yeah, I do. Such a data nerd. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I do. Um, and I also might, uh, I might even have mom do it too. Mm -hmm. uh, because like, it's hard to get answers. So with yeah. your testing is yeah T testing is for sure the way uh, so yeah okay great yeah if, uh, i'll just i'll keep my eye out for a note in trello from yes. one of the girls okay um, and check on that sounds good did you know that dr bredesen has started what he's calling a pre-code protocol as preventative. That's great. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, sh I'm surely considering that too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with it, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover, right? Between the things that you should do for prevention yeah. and, and, you know, treatment, but at the same time, um, you know, we should start. all we should all be doing everything we can regardless of genetics <laughs> to you know yeah, support probably. cognitive function going going forward yeah absolutely so yeah um he's really he's really amped his program up because you used to you know you used to have to figure it all out yourself right like he, he said get these tests done and if you have these levels it might mean this but he actually he has like an actual program now that's a lot more um, automated, essentially. Oh, okay. um, and you just have to find a local practitioner. And it looks like there's one here on island. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking into that. Great. Yeah. Great. I know somebody else who's trained in, in, in his protocols and systems. Um, I don't know if she does telemedicine, but I'm happy yeah. to. But, you know, it's hard to get labs done here because we don't have quest or lab core oh okay yeah so that's why that's why i have to i think i have to find a local practitioner so because i actually emailed them i actually emailed their help desk and said you know i don't because you can just order it through their website if you have quest or lab core um and like i said it's gotten super easy but if you don't have those which we don't have here um i said how can i go about this and they said um find a local practitioner to order the labs mm. and they have a list and so yeah cool well, well that's that's great i'll have to look into that yeah chat <laughs> seems like there's only the, like the three of us do other people ever show up to this anymore sometimes you guys are the regulars. Conrad will poke in when he can and mm. yeah.
Megan, you said you had the Iris software on your computer, right? Mm -hmm. And that you have that on your computer and it it goes to both screens you're projecting to or to your monitor yep. that you're projecting mm -hmm. to. Do you have anything like that phone? Anything on like on my phone? On your phone, yeah. No, um, I actually haven't. So I have an iPhone and Apple seems to do some kind of, you know, natural shifts during the mm -hmm. evening hours. But um, I don't know if I last I checked, I know I, I couldn't get F.Lux on my phone and I couldn't get Iris on my phone. They may have changed that. Um, but if yeah. anybody has any, you know, information on a good phone app, I, I would love to hear it. Um, because I haven't found anything personally. I did a Something. trial with the Iris and I really did. I could tell a difference and I liked it. I think their website was somewhat confusing on it is what yeah. their ordering options were and yeah, what you get with each one. What's that, Stuart? Oh, just are you saying you don't? Do you have an iPhone? Is that what you said? Or you have an Android? I have an Android. Megan said she has oh, an okay. iPhone. I think so Android actually, you might be able to use Flux on um, on Android. You might be able to download that. Um, but Stuart, go ahead. Are you? I just wondered if, especially with the iPhone, if you were indicating you didn't think that the shift that iPhone offers is good enough. I don't. I don't think it's good enough. But maybe that's because I'm comparing it to something like Iris that makes my screen, you know, completely red, like I'm looking through red glasses. Um, but I, I personally don't think that it's, it's enough. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I, I also haven't, that's objective, right? I haven't looked at the, any kind of objective data that they have showing how much blue light is actually emitted or, you know, what, what wavelengths they're reducing or if it's just the brightness or whatever. Um, it's not just the brightness, but, um, yeah, that's, that's just me subjectively saying, I don't think it's as good. Flux. Sorry. Uh, no, it was an no, what, you don't think this is good? No, the I don't iPhone think iPhone has it. a built-in. Yeah. iPhone has a built-in system for doing it. Gotcha. Looks like Flux is, is free. Maybe I will try that for my computer first. Like yeah. Iris, I was fine with. I didn't mind, but I haven't ordered it yet. Yeah, I guess from a from that sort of sense, for sure. If I look at my phone in the middle of the night, you know, if the brightness is turned all the way down and it's set all on the warmest setting, it's not as red as F flux can be. F flux has more control. Yeah. So, you know, what I would love, you know, I'd asked a while ago about prescription glasses. I was thinking about getting my next set with, you know, the blue light blockers it's evening TV watching. Like I heard, I'm not on my phone much. I don't have the phone in the bedroom with me at all. And I'm not on it in the couple hours before bed very much. I am staring at screens all day at work. So just general eye health, but I'm not, I don't think that's a circadian rhythm thing so much. It's something for an hour of Netflix in the evening that I, you know, would like a better option for. Yeah. And there are, there are companies that will do prescription glasses in the more amber or red lenses. Um, it's going to change for that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's going to change That's obviously, true. you know, the, the, um, 
color of the TV more than those other blue blockers would, but it is something to consider. And they'd be a special pair of glasses, you know, just for an hour of Netflix, as opposed to just getting it rolled into my other ones that I wear. Yeah. Or, you know, when the sun goes down, you know, depending on how bright your, your lights are in your house and stuff like that, it can be helpful for that as well. Um, Sure. But yeah. Hey Megan, have you ever worked or had anybody, you know, used um, Philips lights, their hue Yeah, and then programmed Mm -hmm. them? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to work well. Philips lights hue. Yeah. They're expensive, but they're a, I believe they're probably Bluetooth or Wi-Fi connected and you can program them so they change what they have going on for like home lighting. Mm -hmm. They looked, I didn't get into it too far. It looked like you could spend quite a bit of money on them. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, It It probably wouldn't take a lot of them, you know, in a couple of lamps around your house you wouldn't have to change everything out right um but yeah i've i've um heard those are very good yeah one of the top things for me would just have be have a light that i knew i could turn on in the in the nighttime without having it be an issue mm-hmm. so that would be nice i currently keep my headlamp with a red light sandy so if i'm up at night and i want to see something i use my headlamp with a red light okay. <laughs> which I've found to be very effective in terms of like, if I wake up and I'm thinking about something, I want to write it down. So my brain's active. If I turn on a light to do that, it's a lot harder to get back to sleep for me than if I use a, a red headlamp. So. Well, happy holidays, everyone. I think I'm going to get out of here. All right. Yeah, I've got a Thanks for joining. Too. I uh, we won't we won't be here next week, um, but the week oh. after we'll be back. Cool. Oh, okay. okay. So. On January first, we'll be back. Uh, second. Look at a... mm-hmm. Oh, second. Yeah. So gotcha. next week. <clears throat> yeah. So next week is the day after Christmas. I won't be here. Um, but then the following week, the second will be back to usual got it great thank you right. happy, holidays. Happy, happy, happy holidays happy holidays bye bye